0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian.
1: And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about anything and everything from the Gundam anime series to movies, manga series, Gunpla, and even the lore and ideas related to
0: Gundam.
1: Brian, what are we going to talk about today
0: on this episode? we have a very special episode today we are concluding our review of the original mobile suit gundam series
1: we watched the whole original series and it's been a while for us both i think right brian i haven't seen it oh it's been years
0: (laughs) maybe a decade (laughs) yeah i haven't seen it front to back like that and since i originally watched it probably i'm I'm sure i've watched bits and pieces of it here and there but never from start to finish again
1: how did you feel going into like this last half of the first original series
0: Uh, I felt pretty good. I was pretty excited to finish the back half because I had forgotten actually how much happened in the back half. We got to the first half and we hadn't even gotten to Odessa yet. And so in my mind, when when we stopped and did the first review, I was like, oh, wow, that means we still got Odessa, Jaburo, Solomon, Abawaku. That's a lot for, for the back half. It feels like nothing happened in the first half.
1: Yeah, pretty much. That's a great way of putting it. I was watching the series. Well, first I went into it thinking this is a lot to cram into like 22 episodes cuz you know, they had to fight like a half a dozen mobile armors <laughs> and they had to like have, you know, the the drama episodes where nothing really happens and <laughs> on top of the actual battles like you said. So, I was like, man, if if I could like redo this series, if I had creative control, if Sunset was in charge, <laughs> I would say do 50 episodes and really allow us to dive more into like you know different things happening behind the scenes or or what what have you or do like two 50 episode series so like 100 episodes total like season one earth and then season two space <laughs> you know so something like that but man it moves at a really quick speed some of the time and other times it feels like an episode took forever <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean you are aware that it got canceled right halfway through I am now. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's why it's not 50. They had to wrap it up at, at whatever it was, 42 or 43 episodes. 43, I guess, if you count wow. Dawn's Island. I think without that cancellation, they probably would have gone out through the 50 or the 52. And I several people on Twitter, I guess uh, Mark Simmons and uh, Zionic, they've been putting out a lot of good stuff that details like what would have happened and like the original ideas and stuff. So I would encourage everyone to go look them up on Twitter and look through the historical record and see what, what may have been had the cancellation not come through. I've not actually gone oh, through wow. it and read it, but now that we finished the series, I'll, I'll probably go through and check that stuff out.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to check it out, especially since like the way the series ends with the narration closing out. It just kind of ends.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think they're out of time, man. <laughs> it, it ends.
1: <laughs> And the narrator's like, oh, there's peace. For, for now. now. <laughs> like, well, you're clearly kind of implying that there's going to be problems. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Tomino or whoever managed to sneak that in, they, they wisely foresaw that this might actually be successful and this series might continue.
0: Probably the wisest decision, I think, Isaac, is that they did not show the death of Char Aznable yeah it was
1: left pretty ambiguous then again you know kind of anime rules and tropes and all that but if you didn't see a body they're still out there
0: (laughs) right but i'm just saying with it with the context of the cancellation they could have just been like well we're never going to make another one we're canceled let's just show them die but they didn't yeah and look that really paid off so
1: yeah (laughs) unlike kaecelia who we are guaranteed (laughs) will not be returning in the next series
0: Uh, All right, Isaac, so I'll give the overview of the second half here. You ready for this? Do it. It's going to be a lot, listeners. Get ready. (laughs) That's right. I think the first one was like four or five bullet points. I got like 12 here. So we left off, Isaac. Episode 21, I believe, ended. The White Base had just been shot down by Makuve. Episode 22, the White Base is currently grounded right in the border there, Europe and Asia, right before the Battle of Odessa. They end up getting resupplied and patched up by Lieutenant Matilda. However, it costs her her life. But it does allow them to participate in the Battle of Odessa to defeat, but not kill Makuve. They then head to Northern Ireland, which I believe it's Belfast, to get fully repaired. But Shah returns this time underwater with the Mad Angler sub or squadron, whatever you want to call them, which, by the way, may be the best right. name for a squad in the show.
1: <laughs> I mean, they really miss the opportunity for like an angler-looking mobile armor, right? <laughs>
0: Oh, like, yeah, like a like a lantern fish type thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, and like the yeah. big jaw, there's like a laser in there or something, and the teeth <laughs> missiles, I don't know.
0: <laughs> if you were around in 1979, Isaac, they would have used that idea. <laughs> oh, I would
1: have pumped out mobile armor concepts left and right. <laughs> I'd be team mobile armor. <laughs> we were in the snow, well, we gotta fight like a Yeti mobile armor. We are in the desert, we gotta find a scorpion mobile armor.
0: <laughs> After leaving Belfast... General Revel sends them to Jaburo, which is the Federation headquarters on Earth. Sharb then pursues them across the Atlantic, underwater. Shar ends up finding the entrance to Jaburo, and we have the Battle of Jaburo, but Zeon is rebuffed. Our, our heroes in the White Base then return to space to attack the space fortress known as Solomon, which is led by Dozel Zabi, one of the Zabi sons. But before that, they stop at Side 6, which is a neutral colony, or a neutral colony cluster, I should say. But unfortunately, Isaac, they leave Side 6 without repairs. To join the Tianan fleet for their Solomon attack, we then have the Battle of Solomon, which is one of the largest battles in the original series, where Amaro fights Dolzazabi in the Big Zom. Definitely one of the most memorable fights. Then, after the Battle of Solomon, we have a pit stop, Isaac, where Amaro duels Makuve in the Texas colony in his Gan. We're going to talk about how you should pronounce Gan today, Isaac. (laughs) After dealing with Makuve, the white base and our heroes return to Solomon, which is now being used as a base by the Earth Federation, and we encounter the new type, Shalia Bull, also known as the man from Jupiter. After dealing with Shalia, who is a quite an intriguing character, Isaac, even if he was brief, Operation Star One commences, where the Federation at- uh, attacks the second space fortress, Abawaku. So we have the Battle of Abawaku and the Xeon de facto leader, Girenzabi. Zabi, unleashes the Solar Ray system, Isaac, one of your favorite moments in the Mobile Suit Gun franchise. Wow.
1: <laughs> it's bittersweet, I'll say that. Right.
0: <laughs> as a consequence of the Solar Ray system, Degwin Zabi, the Principality of Zeon's Patriarch, and General Revel, de facto leader of the Earth Federation, are incinerated. Also with this battle, Amuro in- accidentally kills Char's love interest and sort of Lamaro's love interest as well, Lala Soon. Kasselia Zabi then kills Gearin Zabi, Amuro and Char duel it out in a Babaku. The Gundam and the Zeon fall. Char kills Kaecilia. White Base falls, and Amuro leads the White Base crew to safety. And we end with an armistice. And basically the promise that peace exists for now, Isaac. Yes,
1: and Zeon is gone, replaced by the Republic of Zeon. And uh, Federation wins. For now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> and everybody lived, which was great.
0: Well, we lost a few people <laughs> along the way. Eh,
1: well alright you got
0: me there but you know
1: <laughs> the real core crew yeah there. that's true That's true.
0: so Isaac I have a list of things it was very hard to organize them in any logical fashion so I'm just going to pick them one at a time and maybe we'll just trade off with things we noticed Time about that
1: that sounds pretty great and listeners just because of the way conversation goes you know podcasts and all that we might jump around throughout the course of like the last half of the series we, we won't necessarily go in chronological order so bear with us Hopefully you've seen the series, or at least rewatched it, or at least have a general idea of what we're talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll try to go in chronological as possible, but some of this stuff is just easier to organize based on character sometimes, so we may jump ahead a bit, but... (laughs) And first on Brian's list is pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Gan is later, but we'll get there. There's two pronunciations today, Isaac. There's Gan and and Jaburo or Jabrow or Jaburo, whatever you want to say.
1: Not not to backtrack, but even in season one. I think it was pronounced by Ramba as Goof mm. but I think Bright Loa later called it the Guff.
0: Maybe they played with it a few times. I I think Guff gets Yeah. Most of it, but yeah, maybe there was one or two episodes where they they started out with something else. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. First on my list, Isaac, is something near and dear to your heart. We saw the debut of a mobile suit this back half, which I actually forgot how prominent it was in the show from here on out. It was more common than the Zaku in the back half, and that is the Dom. Yeah, I forgot how much, especially when
1: they get into space, the Dom really replaced the Zaku. You only see the Zaku in two battles, really. You only see it at Solomon and Balku, mm-hmm. which is clearly when things were bad for Xeon. Right, right. So other than that, the Dom just takes
0: complete center stage. Were you empowered by that? Were you energized by all the doms in in the back half here? (laughs) On the one hand, yes, because I was like, okay, this is great. I got
1: to see doms. And, you know, I forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, the Federation. I forgot to call them skirts, you know, (laughs) being very dismissive. (laughs) But, like, as the battles continued repeatedly, I was like, you know, I don't think they're performing better than the (laughs) Zaka. Because
0: they're getting smacked, you know, left and right. (laughs) <laughs> they did get smacked around.
1: That goes even for um, Zeon's fleet. I was trying to lose count of the number of fleet battles that the, the white base gets in alone yes. and still defeats a larger fleet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we first meet the DOMs when we meet the black Tri Stars, Isaac. Gaia, Ortega, and Mash. And for listeners, I'm sure you know those are the, uh, the three DOM pilots that uh, end up killing Lieutenant Matilda. And uh, they then incur Amaro's wrath, and they all end up dying. But what did you think of the Tri-Stars, and can you explain the Jetstream attack to our listeners?
1: Well, first let me say that although I am a big Dom fan, I never found the Tri-Stars to be that impressive in the original series. Mm. Now hear me out. In Origin, they're amazing because (laughs) they like... Oh my God. They might have been responsible for the majority of Xeon's victories in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's I fair. mean,
1: on Luna, at Loam, they were vital. Yeah. They, they mopped the floor with, like, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of kills. So that said, back to the original series we just saw. Man, they were, they were such a nuisance. Like, <laughs> they, they didn't do a whole lot. I mean, they're kind of infamous for, like, killing Matilda, but. She was unarmed, you know, she was in a transport, yeah <laughs> a transport plane. Yeah, that
0: was an ill-fated intervention by her. I I don't think anything good was going to come yeah. out of that,
1: right? So in summary, I think the Tri-Stars were very much a case of, um, their reputation was really what preceded them, and that was really all the was the threat. Otherwise, they, they weren't too much of a danger. And the Jetstream attack seems to pretty much be they line up, head towards you and attack you consecutively maybe one moves in one direction one moves in the other and then one would jump so you're being attacked from different angles even though you thought you're gonna only have to face like one after
0: the other the Tracer has really struck me as some ace pilots who had never really been challenged
1: yeah and I feel like this is something that kind of repeats you yes. know we, we hear about uh, these aces and these great pilots and you know how powerful this mobile armor is. They've only been fighting type 63 tanks. Maybe they went up against a big tray at some point. Federation naval units and Federation aircraft. That's it. That's all they've been fighting. So, of course, they've been winning. And then they fight the Gundam, the gun tank, the gun cannon, and white base, which is covered in tons of powerful weapons. And the inevitable happens where they're out of their
0: element, they're outclassed, and they get defeated. How bad luck is that when your first mobile suit you go up against is the Gundam piloted by Amuro Ray?
1: In a lot of the cases, they kind of ask for it too, right? Because they keep kind of repeating this whole desire to hunt down the white base, yeah. right? It's, oh, it's a two-ranked promotion, automatic 2 rank promotion. I'm surprised they never had like one scene, maybe they'll put in the remake, where an officer's like, you know what? Somebody else can get it. <laughs> because clearly the all the data reports and the analysis says that this thing has been through multiple battles it's killed multiple you know multiple of our units and regiments and is keeping on trucking i do not want to fight this thing send me to fight like you know the run of the mill type 63 <laughs>
0: Okay, let's move to General Revel for a second here, Isaac. Uh, poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Matilda, he showed no real remorse when she died. Did you notice that? Or at least we don't see it.
1: Yeah, but in his defense, he's been pretty high ranked in the military, if not more or less a supreme commander. It's 0079, Brian. (laughs) So, what is it? September 0079? Something like that? Yeah,
0: around then, yeah.
1: He's seen half the Earth's population get destroyed by the colony drops effects. Yeah. He's seen who knows how many people die during the one-week war, um, not to mention all the other destruction and uh, battles that have happened at different sides. So losing another officer, even a rare female one like Matilda, while tragic, I- I'm sure he's it- it's just another Tuesday for him. <laughs> Matilda Mondays? As cold and callous as that sounds, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, humanity's worst war. So, unfortunately, he might have not so much forgot about it by the next week, but, you know, she was just a statistic the next month. that's fair.
0: What about, though, instead of sending supplies to the White Base, shouldn't Rebel have sent them some, like, real pilots? Or does that go against their Uh, data-gathering scheme?
1: I was about to say, I think that goes against their data-gathering scheme. And at the same time, technically, Umro's. At every point after the first episode, Amro is the most experienced mobile suit pilot in the Federation.
0: Oh, that's true. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. Every minute after the moment he gets in that cockpit, he's by default the most experienced pilot in the Federation Army, Armed Forces. So there isn't technically anyone better to put
0: in. That's a good point. I've never thought about it that way.
1: Yeah. And by that logic, that's kind of a slippery slope of, well, why is a nineteen-year-old the captain? Okay, let's swap out the captain. Well, what kind of crew does the captain need to support him? Well, okay, we'll we'll swap out you know the the bridge crew. It's like, well, shouldn't we get better engineers and you know actual staff? Well, okay, we'll we'll swap them out for someone from the Tianan Fleet. You know, crew from the Tianan Fleet. So it could have very much have been a case of
0: um, we'd see our whole cast replaced if that did play out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I guess that that sort of aligns with there was that one line. I don't remember if General Revel was there. When they're at Jaburo, the higher-ups are not pleased that the white base was followed there. And there's a comment where one of them says, they will always be a problem. What do you think about that take? Is that true?
1: I think that might have been more, well, half-true in the sense that, well, they're civilians, so they're not really going to do things the way we normally would or we'd like. But I think that was more just a reference of, well... Since almost none of them are actual military, things are going to be happening kind of chaotically outside the norm, outside military standards. I think that's what he was referring to. Mm.
0: I took it as they were upset that the White Base, because they have the Gundam, they're always going to have a target on their back. So by by harboring the White Base in Jaburo, they they drew Zion there naturally. But yeah, I could see that as well. Uh, I think that's a bit of a stretch, right? Because Operation British
1: was designed to attack Jaburo.
0: Yeah, they've always wanted in, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess this was a case that, well, you might have a point. He might have so much been saying, um, you clearly give Zeon a way to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. So thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, well, this is kind of the top base on Earth and for the Federation. So it's it really is a fortress. I, I don't think we have a lot to worry about now that one more ship is here. Yeah. Okay. And they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> they survived. <laughs> yeah.
0: Zeon kind of got spanked. And then a little later on, there's this sentiment that the Federation thinks if they defeat Solomon, if they break Solomon, that Zion will surrender. Do you think that's true? I don't think that's true based on the way Girin's thinking.
1: I think it was true. So after Solomon falls, guess what Dagwin does? He decides to lift his heft out of that chair. <laughs> and whatever back channels he still has to the Federation, they, they were meeting for peace. You know, you yeah. saw the writing on the wall. Look, look, they can take Solomon. Sure, Tianm died but they were able to deploy a, a solar system it cook uh, solomon yeah even though it was destroyed by the big zom they can just build another one <laughs> it's the federation you know yeah they can clearly wait out zeon so let's make peace who knows how many generations or maybe daegwen would have to die literally if they did make peace Ooh, that's a good alternate history kind of a uh, timeline to explore what if they made
0: peace mm. someone would have to kill garen a lot quicker
1: yeah, Dag- well, Dagwin- assuming Daegwen dies of old age, I assume Girin would have the war ray to go after that again. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, I digress. So yes, Solomon being knocked out did push Daegwen to the peace uh, negotiation table. However, <laughs> nobody assumed that Girin would kill Daegwen <laughs> and then continue the war.
0: <laughs> so it's a, it's a failure of Federation intelligence then to properly assess Girin's how far he's willing to go.
1: Worse than that, I think Federation Intel failed in detecting a solar ray. Or
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: If they did at- detect it, assuming it wouldn't be constructed in time, assuming Xeon didn't have the resources, or assuming it wasn't a weapon capable of destroying fleets from so far away. So, yeah, that kind of dropped the ball there, whoever's in charge of Fetty Intelligence. But, yeah, yeah, they were right. Solomon being gone would, would clearly push the moderate faction in Xeon. That was actually technically in control of the government to negotiate, but hardliners like Garen and, uh, I assumed the laws were like, Oh yeah, definitely kill them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's tackle the pronunciation of Jaburo. So in this series, the dub pronounces it Jaburo and I think eighth MS team and potentially double 83, they say Jabrow, uh, which right. sounds a little cooler. And then, I was having like mental difficulty with this because there was that PlayStation game, right? Journey to Jaburo or Journey to Jabra, whatever you want to say. Back when that came out, I swear there was either Uh a commercial or somehow I got it in my head. It was pronounced Jaburo. So I got three different pronunciations of this damn headquarters floating around in my head every time I talk about it. So I bet if you go through all of our episodes, I'm sure I say it different every three episodes. And you know what?
1: That's okay.
0: Uh, Which pronunciation do you prefer, Isaac? I started with 0083, so I
1: like Jabrow, mm. But phonetically, I can understand why people look at it and say Jaburo. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm sure they're like, well, it's in South America. Of course, it's probably pronounced something like
0: Jaburo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? But I like Jabrow,
0: Yeah. Okay. I don't think it's a real place. I think it might. Uh, some people think it's no. based on this <laughs> place in South America called like biru or something like that i don't know how to pronounce it but so maybe it's a little bit up in the air but listeners i'd, I'd be curious which pronunciation do you prefer and is it the one that you started Ooh. with
1: yeah my head cannon is kind of similar to gundam seed if you haven't seen gundam seed listeners there's a military base used by the earth alliance which is pretty much their jabro, except it's called josh a or joshua yes and well my own made-up acronym for it well josh dash a that clearly must mean joint operations strategic headquarters alaska Mm. so i took a similar approach and i assume jabral is like joint allied uh base of operations i don't know who knows or regional unity i don't know
0: wow i love that (laughs) i want want the acronym for that now
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, when we have our episode of Gundam Jeopardy, we'll have people trying to guess what General <laughs> stands for.
0: <laughs> Isaac, there was a few more slaps in the second half. Yeah, there wasn't as many as there was in the first half, but there were some good ones. Right, there was when uh, when everyone was getting promoted, the Federation officer mm-hmm. tried to slap Omro, and he dodged it, and but then the guy like yeah. slapped him again. So he did, he did catch the second one on the face.
1: You think Umro would have learned <laughs> that Like, if an officer's trying to slap you and he doesn't connect the first time, you have to get out of slap range because <laughs> there might
0: be another one coming. He needs to bob and weave, you know.
1: Yeah, just don't stand there.
0: <laughs> uh, there was also when they were in, I guess when they were in Jaburo or Jabral, there was this other set of kids, the other orphans, and they were making Kika cry. So our other two kids, Let's and Cats, I think. I think Let's though was the one that smacked the other kid that was making Kika cry. And I was like, Look, even the kids are taking on this aggressive behavior by what they're seeing from the adults in in, in this world.
1: That's very sad. I do very remember the slap. <laughs> <laughs> was that when they were with the robot nanny?
0: Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: That amazing robot that can serve you like
0: snacks and s- juice. Yeah, I think it was like ice cream, maybe in there. But re- perhaps Isaac, the best slap in the back half of the show, was the Slager slap. Can you explain the Slager slap to us?
1: The Slager slap really came out of nowhere. I have to say, because Slager hadn't been with the crew that long, and really, I didn't think anyone would slap—not to sound sexist—a woman. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah then again this was animated at a different time so maybe that was more common but man he like went right up to Mirai and gave it to her because she was what was she doing
0: she was arguing with Cameron her fiance
1: yeah Cameron Bloom her somewhat desperate <laughs> desperately in love with her fiance yes who was very interested in helping them any way he could and she was really turning him down. I can't believe Bright didn't cut in and say, Could you guys talk about this not on the bridge? Um, (laughs) Just so they would go somewhere else and talk it out. But Mariah was kind of getting rude. I mean, she was getting rude. But Slager apparently thinks uh, if we're being offered help, we got to take it. So he went across the bridge and he gave her a backhand, not even a slap, a backhand. (laughs) Man. And it it shut her
0: down. Goodness. He moved real quick. If you go watch the, the GIF of this. Man, he that dude moves faster than a, we've seen him move the whole show. He, he moves faster than a dom, speeding into battle.
1: <laughs> and what's, what's kind of insane is, did everybody on the bridge agree that she deserved it? Because nobody said anything. No, no like, one. Yeah. The other women didn't say anything. Mm-mm. Bright didn't say anything. They just let the slap happen.
0: <laughs> I don't know. What do you think of Slagger, Isaac? His image or, or whatever was supposed to be based on uh, Sylvester Stallone. But right from the beginning, you know, he the first time you see him, he immediately hits on Mirai. He calls Amuro his little buddy, which made me crack up. As soon as he returns from that first battle, he straight up asks Mirai in front of everybody if she would like to shower with him. So, like, this guy is like, he wouldn't make it in today's Me Too world, for sure. Uh, in that scene where he, it might be the same time that he slaps Mirai, he also flicks Cameron away and steals his glasses.
1: Yeah, right, because he thought... Yeah, he thought Cameron was harassing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, but like, where does this dude get off in like meddling in their business? I guess because he's kind of like giving it to both of them, right? Like, isn't that strange?
1: Yeah, I mean, first he sounded like he was like, "Oh, I have to protect Mariah from this guy that's clearly, you know, he doesn't know how to how to take a note. He's gonna rough him up and you know knock off his glasses. He's called him pencil neck, I think." (laughs) And then hours later on the bridge, he backs Han Mirai for, <laughs> how dare she, on behalf of the ship, refuse so much assistance when they're in dire straits. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was Team Slager up until then. At that point, I was like, all right, buddy, this is this is kind of toxic. I know you're Mr. Hotshot Fighter Pilot, but man, th- did you have to do that? <laughs>
0: what a terrible thing. That was when he got canceled right there.
1: <laughs> you know it's bad when Admiral Isaac cancels you and he's in <laughs> Zeon. <laughs> Say what you will about Zeon, but we don't slap women Or even men for that matter <laughs> I challenge you to think of one slap that happened in Zeon There hasn't been one
0: <laughs> That's true, I, I don't think yeah. any of the slaps we saw were Xeon slaps Well, you might be onto something there We respect each other <laughs> Just not humanity in the basic yeah, sense
1: just, I mean, we'll, Yeah, we'll use weapons of mass destruction, but you won't be slapped <laughs>
0: <laughs> Staying on Slager for the moment at the end, though, you know, when he leaves to fight the Big Zom, which I guess is really what cancels him is the Big Zom, Mirai kind of reveals that she does kind of like him, and they, they share a little moment before he leaves, and he gives her his grandma's ring. What's your headcanon on why she likes this guy? Because, like, Mirai's pretty reserved. I feel like she likes people that are respectful. This guy yeah, is not that. Like bright? Yeah, like, bright. <laughs> and so, in my mind, the, the only way this makes sense is, is she's sick of people liking her because she's from the yashima family and slager knows nothing about that and he hit on her right away so maybe she was like oh well this guy maybe he doesn't care about my my lineage and and he likes me for me Uh, how does this make sense to you how did you take this
1: it doesn't make sense unless you really like dive into your own mind to develop headcanon so for me i was i was trying to piece it together i was like okay we're in a war. Cameron Bloom's clearly going out of his way to to be kind of her yes-man fiancé. She yeah. doesn't want that. Okay, well, what about Bright? She's got a good thing going with Bright. You know, they're kind of a, the team mom and dad. Uh, apparently, she she doesn't want that. Like, okay, uh, Slager, uh, I, I guess emotions are running high, and guess who shows up? It's the, the alpha male, the, the, the cocky fighter pilot. He says what he thinks, and he lives with his emotions on his sleeve. I guess that's what she wants. And I was like, you know what? There must have been a shower. <laughs> that we didn't see, because otherwise it doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree. Maybe she she gave into temptation yeah. and it had a wild and crazy night with Mr. Rough and Tumble, Mr. Slager here.
1: Yeah, there's a scene I'm sure where I don't know, like Amro's talking to Sayla and then in the background you see like two people run out of the bathroom, <laughs> and one of them's blonde, one of them's brunette. And you're like, uh, I wonder who that was. I don't think that was Kai.
0: <laughs> Not many blondes on the ship, so.
1: No. That could only be one of two people and Sailor's on the bridge. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I assume it's a case of kind of being swept off your feet or yeah. <laughs> in this case backhanded off your feet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this would never fly today.
1: No, no. It's it's very bizarre and I'm not the biggest sliced alone fan, but I would be surprised if there's any movie where he's that disrespectful to women. I mean if you see the Rocky movies, he really he's devoted to his girlfriend, to his wife, Adrian. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> I don't know that it was based on his performance. I know it was supposed to be based on his image, I think.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: But how about Slager's blue uniform? Did you like his blue uniform?
1: I thought it was pretty cool. But hear me out, Brian, him wearing a flight suit at his death does not explain why he died. Right? He gets like ejected from the cockpit in his flight suit. He should have been okay, I assumed, unless he was Crushed
0: and then ejected. Well, I think it depends on what kind of debris he hit when he left his cockpit.
1: Okay, so he was like concussed inside. He was internally destroyed.
0: Yeah, I don't. I think if you go pick him up, I don't know that everything is intact in that flight suit. That's how I read it. Like what's her name from Shard's counterattack that got squeezed? Exactly.
1: <laughs> Oof. <laughs> and then Ostinage had to go look at her uh, her visor oh, filled with man. the jelly.
0: That's terrible. Poor Ostinage. Uh, that's if you can't even find the guy, right? Is he just floating around yeah, out there? right.
1: I mean, well, they didn't make much of an effort. Somebody found him. If, yeah. Who else? The Federation took control of the island,
0: of, of uh, Solomon, yeah. so somebody found him. Oh, boy. So I guess if you didn't like Slager, he really got it at the end.
1: And sometimes when Bright and Mirai are in the throes of passion, <laughs> she'll
0: ask him to backhand her. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh no. Do not condone that comment, listeners. <laughs> Maybe we should edit that out. Um, leaving it in. <laughs> that activates, like, bright into, like, you know, super mode, and then he he's he's allowed to go into the bright slap mode.
1: <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> slapping such a part. Of, if you join the Federation, slapping such, like, a part
0: of, like, your shared trump. That might be one of the classes <laughs> at the Basque Om School. But I don't think they slap. Well, they punch. Just, you know, they they, well, one of them slaps Camille, oh, yeah, isn't yeah. that that? That's kind of how Zeta Gunham starts, right? Was the slap or was it actual punch? Uh, I don't remember. Hand on face
1: <laughs> violence. Whether you go to the Bright Noah Academy or you go to the Bascom Academy, there's going to be physical abuse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Come to Xeon. We don't do any of that. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this whole Slager Mirai thing and how she? Kind of with the flick of a switch became madly in love. She was concussed into love.
0: <laughs> that I think it's because he didn't care about her Yashima family lineage. Because every time Mirai meets someone new, they say, oh, we're so sad that your dad died. And he was a great politician. And maybe if he had lived, the war might not have happened. And here, you know, dock here and consider that payment for your dad's services, blah, blah, blah. The way it makes sense to me is her whole life was, hey, you're important because of your family name. But then, boom! Here's this guy who's, you know, like you said, says what he feels, no matter how bad it is. And he's like, "Hey, you're cute. I like you. Come shower with me." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Wow, this dude doesn't know who I am at all. And he, you know, and he wants to be with me. Maybe in some weird way, that flipped the switch for her. Not to say that it's good or or it makes complete sense, but people do weird things. So that's how I made it made sense. But doesn't mean it was a good relationship. Not that it was. Even I don't know if it even really qualifies as a relationship at this point, but anyway, that that's my take.
1: What did you think of Slager as like a character, oh, a, a temporary crew member? <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I enjoyed him. I, you know, I laughed when all he, when he was doing all of his stuff because I was like, "Wow, this dude's ridiculous." But you know, at the end of the day, he had a good strategy and he made a, a good sacrifice. He stopped the big Zom, Isaac. The big Zom was blowing people down. Nothing was yeah. standing in the way of the big Zom. In like four seconds, it blew up like four Salamis. Yeah, and he did it non-verbally. Yeah, <laughs>
1: he he like did a hand signal to armor, and I was like, all right, with like a smile, and he was like, you know what, Th- this guy's had enough fun. Let's take this right. guy out. <laughs>
0: and he did it; he got it done. So at the yeah. end of the day, he did sacrifice himself. So you got to be a little thankful for that, I guess, if you're a Federation person. So I don't know. I, I liked him. I think he served his purpose. You know, not every. Char- I'm one of those people that I don't need every character to be virtuous. And uh, a likable person, because that's just, that doesn't match real life, right? Characters are allowed to be, <coughs> told, frankly.
1: Yeah, and he fits the bill. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so originally, when I watched this series, I could not stand the kids. Mm. I thought they were just annoying. I didn't know if this was some care bear attempt to like bring in younger viewers. I was just wanting battle after battle. But watching them again now, they kind of have like a a charm to them, you know? They weren't as bad as I remembered, and... I felt kind of bad for them that they were there the whole time and uh, as we got to like a Bawa coup and they were actually on the ship as, again in space, yep. I was thinking to myself, wow, if this did happen, could you say, well, the ship was taking damage, please stop shooting, we have kids aboard, yep. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and depending on the Xeon officer you got, if they're anything like Romba Rao's crew or the, um, the Lagoon pilot, they'd probably stop fighting and say, okay, either surrender or get the kids off the right. ship.
0: Flash them up on the screen, something like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. maybe if you run to like Makuve or somebody else, they might say, this is clearly a Federation trick, and then just <laughs> blow up the ship.
0: <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> I think the best moment they had was their hero moment when they saved the white base. They were able to detect all the bombs, somehow they were able to drive a car. I, I don't believe they would have reached the pedals, it kind of would have made more sense if they did... <laughs> the usual comedy thing of kids where like one kid's actually down there with the pedals, right? Like, using his hands. And then the other one's, like, yeah. steering, right? That kind of would have made more sense. Yeah. But in any case, I thought that was a, a good episode for them. And they kind of literally saved everybody's lives, if you think about it. Well, not everybody's lives, but who knows how bad that explosion could have been. Probably pretty bad, actually. So they definitely saved some people's lives from letting that gym factory go off.
0: Yeah, that was the Gundam factory, right? So it had that explosion gone off, I mean the gym production line would have been halted or at least severely, you know, curtailed. So, it was actually pretty yeah. important and pretty pathetic that the federation yeah. had to have the kids save them.
1: Also, like those were bad zeons cuz if you remember, like they jump the the little zeon ninjas, they jump out into <laughs> of the dark, you know, kind of surround the kids. Tie them up and left them with the bombs.
0: <laughs> yes. So I had a question about that. What was the point of tying them up sure. if they're just going to tie them up with the bombs? It doesn't mean they're not going to die. You left them with the bomb. Why not just kill them yeah. anyway if you're just going to let them explode? That doesn't make any sense. But
1: I think the guy apologizing before he left was, he did. sorry, kids, you have to die. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah.
1: It wasn't, sorry, kids, we had to tie you up. Because uh, they were gonna die from the bombs, I, I think the maybe in his mind the only mercy was well the bombs are gonna go off so pa- so
0: fast it's gonna be painless the kids mm. aren't gonna know what's going on okay and they're that they're that close so they'll just be incinerated right away okay how thoughtful of that Zeon soldier
1: yeah him and Mikuve went to the
0: same university so, or him and
1: him and Sahalin <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I liked the kids you know I uh, I agree that moment was good and then I also liked the bit at the end we're skipping all the way to the end the very last episode. Oh yeah. Not many people could really hear Amuro's voice that well psychically except Mirai, Selah, and then the kids, revealing that obviously the kids growing up in space they were pretty far along on the new type scale. So,
1: Brian, would you say that they're so young? Their souls aren't held down by Earth's gravity.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would go so far to say their souls have never been weighed down by Earth's gravity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we splice in Haman saying, that's the
0: stupidest thing I've ever heard? That's <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> Another kind of interesting thing I noticed at the end was the kids are in normal suits, mm-hmm. right? When they're showing Amro kind of thinking about the crew and picturing each one, seeing who's still alive, I guess, with his mind. They show a cut, I think, of Frau Bo talking to like the kids... And the little girl is holding like the barrel of a rifle. Oh, really? <laughs> do you think they were actually like manning some guns or did she just pick up a, a live rifle or maybe Bright wisely said, look, the kids are going to be causing problems. If we tell them to like stand in an area holding empty weapons, they'll stay <laughs> at least in one spot.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe they did pick them up and, and do something with it. Hopefully they were at least aiming it in the right direction. Yeah. It reminds me of the ending episode as well when the white base is down on a bow and Bright tells Fraubo to get a sidearm. And I'm like, look, pal, if that's where you're at, we're, you're, not, you're not in good shape. <laughs> like, we...
1: Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Rambo Rao was like, the last time that woman, that girl held a sidearm, I was able
0: to slap it out of her hand.
1: <laughs> that's how good she is. <laughs> yeah. So
0: same thing with the kids. I mean... If you're relying on the kids, I'm sure they didn't tell them to pick up the rifle, but I'm sure they tried, because they like to contribute, right? And if that's what they see everyone doing, they're going to do it too.
1: Yeah, they wisely seemed very sad and scared, so... I assume they felt the ship
0: crashing. <laughs> yeah, can't be a good feeling, for sure. On the subject of kids, Isaac, there was another tragic set of kids in the show, in the back half, and that was Miharu's siblings, her brother, little brother and sister. Miharu it was the girl that, in Ireland that Kai sort of... Had a crush on, but got tricked into giving her info, and she was a spy for Zeon. She was a great spy. She was a great spy, <laughs> and really got screwed, given that her you know, handlers attacked the ship while she was still on it. That was kind of a jerk move. Awful death for her, falling off the, was that a gun parry? Yeah, I
1: I couldn't believe how brutal that death was. We didn't even see, technically see her death. We just knew it happened.
0: Yeah, very similar to Slagger, right? She was just lost. Out of the craft,
1: yeah, never to return. He was ejected into space, and she just plummeted.
0: Who knows how far into the water? Ice cold water, as well. It's cold up there. So anyway, miharu had a heartbreaking story, awful death, uh, and so I was wondering to myself, Isaac, do do we know what happened to the kids? Because in my mind, we needed an epilogue where Kai went back and found them and like you know took care of them or something. And, of course, they've been covered in some side story mangas. So the little girl, Millie, Ooh. she works as a hacker for Kai in the Zeta Gundam Define manga, which is like a retelling of Zeta Gundam. Wow. With, with some minor alterations, my understanding is. I've never read Z, Gun- Z Gundam Define, but I'm sure those, there are some out there who have. So anyway, she's there. It looks like Kai reconnected with her and, and gave her a job or, or otherwise, you know, worked with her. Jill, the boy, is a Cyber New Type test subject in Zeta Gundam Four Story and to a Soldier, which is a novelization about how uh, Four became a Cyber New Type at the New Type uh, Research Institute um, from Zeta Gundam. So I feel like it turns out pretty well for Millie. I feel like it doesn't go so well for Jill in the future.
1: I don't know. Like, actually, no. I think you're right because the lives of Cyber New Types can't be good. No, right? I no. Mean,
0: name one that's gone well. Uh
1: none yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's unfortunate but i don't know maybe his his future ended up okay somehow no
0: i'm not sure i spoilers (laughs) i don't think he makes
1: (laughs) of course not but i mean good on kai that's the silver lining right right? that he went back and the kids clearly knew him and I, i imagine he looked after them as much as he could yeah yeah i agree i agree man how sad God, she was such a good spy. She was like the perfect honeypot for Kai. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have worked on like a sailor or a Mirai, right? No. But for Kai, she was at the perfect spot.
0: Well, who knows? Mirai seems just like a, like random people hitting on her. So maybe if Miharu yeah. did it, maybe she, she would have gone for that too. <laughs> maybe if
1: Miharu slapped her, <laughs> they would have fallen in love. <laughs> and then it's like, ah, I love you now.
0: <laughs> in one of the miharu episodes or one of her handlers captain boone he lands on the white base in the guise of a fishing plane and he tells his co-pilot or his you know co-conspirator to not talk because his zeon accent is too strong and it'll give him away has that ever been brought back or was that a dropped kind of world building <laughs> plot point point? and was it supposed to be a german accent because the, the guy they had him talk and like he had a really strange voice
1: that has never come back. So, that raises the question, like, is there a group of colonies where people talk different? Is everybody we're hearing from Zion using, like, a Federation accent? I don't what,
0: know. <laughs> yeah.
1: What are the implications, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I remember reading about this way back in the day, but I haven't th- I hadn't thought about it again in probably 15 years, and then I saw it, this episode, and I was like, oh, wow. I I don't remember what, what the answer to that was. So... um, I mean, I guess I could look it up. But listeners, if you know, if this is a drop plot point, I, I would uh, appreciate the refresher. So, And what would you imagine the accent to be like, Isaac? Because I, I don't feel like people in the Zeon colonies have lived there long enough to develop some new accent that is completely identifiable.
1: No, and it doesn't work because all the Zeon leadership, they just speak with a normal accent. Like if they were speaking their true tone or accent, it would sound so different. Yeah. You're being a little too literal if, say, for example, the original plan was that we'd have Zeon with German accents or yeah. Italian accents or uh, or Japanese accents. At that point, it's like, okay, uh, come on. We already know they're the Axis. They're wearing Axis <laughs> uniforms. So, at that point, why why not call him, like, Von Geeren or... Uh, <laughs> Kaecili off or something I don't know <laughs> yeah so th- that, that's excessive and I'm glad they didn't do that that throwaway line
0: though uh, I don't know it, it it didn't really make sense at all in any way really I agree not needed glad they dropped it so Isaac let's talk about two things that I did not like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> probably the biggest thing that I did not like about this show is the G-fighter I don't like the G-fighter Isaac yeah I don't like how it looks I don't like how it performs it's got pointless transformations, some of which are very dumb looking, like the one where the top half of the Gundam and the bottom half is a plane. We call it the Gundam Sky. And I can totally understand why Tomino replaced it in the films with the core booster. It felt too super robot to him. He, he tried to remove all the super robot elements as much as he could. And honestly, I feel like Sayla, I liked seeing Sayla do stuff, Isaac. But every time she was doing something, I was like, you know what? It would be way cooler if she had a Gundam instead.
1: Yeah, at the same time, that would have kind of pulled away from Amuro since, you know, one Gundam, one show.
0: Well, okay, it doesn't have to be a Gundam, but give her a gun cannon or or a third gun tank, gun cannon, gun, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't have to be a Gundam. I just mean it didn't have to be the dorky G-Fighter, is what I'm saying.
1: Right. You know what she would have gotten? She would have gotten the pink hover tank Gundam. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) The pink hovercraft mobile suit, right? (laughs) Something like that. And its chest has like a bow missile or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But, but there was a the perfect opportunity, you know. They, they, she could have picked up her pink gym at Jaburo when they were at the Gundam factory. And they had been like, oh, look, this one just rolled off a line. You want to take it? You want to keep it? So I don't know. I just don't like the G-Fighter, Isaac.
1: I completely agree with you. It's a case of toy-driven animation. So we have to see the chest visible as it flies around, right, yes. in the armored mode and, and then it has to be able to configure and oh we need more armor. So Doc only halfway. Um <laughs> so it was ultimately wacky, but maybe the if you think about it to an extent, kinda like the first time for a long time we see a woman being that prominent in combat, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, no, she and she did a good job. Like over, you know, she yeah. didn't start out great, yeah. but by, by the end, she was knocking him down. You know, always competent. Yeah. The other thing I didn't like Isaac, and this was also changed in the compilation films. Not, it wasn't so much that I didn't like it, but it was just too wacky, or it just looked really out of place. So the gun tank was fine on Earth, but then when they get to space and like Hayato starts going out in the gun tank. And the gun tank's just kind of floating out there with its, like, treads. It makes no sense yeah. in space, and it's, it looks pretty silly. And so it was very clear that it needed to be replaced, and that's why he gets a gun, t- uh, a gun cannon.
1: Yeah, it was pretty terrible. But, I mean, if you've already <laughs> built a factory that's going to make the gun tank models you're trying to sell, you're sending it into space. <laughs> <laughs> The only time it makes sense is when it's kind of hopping around on, on asteroids or on, on a Baku and Solomon. That, that's kind of like, okay, it can do these little short jumps and stuff like that. But yeah, I almost wish like they reconfigured it, like they removed the treads and like swapped in like these two big cylinders
0: as like booster rockets or something, right? Yeah, really anything to just not have it look like a tank floating in space. Because it was like, oh, don't yeah. worry, Hayato's coming to back you up in the gun tank, and then, like, here he comes, floating in the gun tank, and I was like, oh, boy, like, <laughs> might as well just stay in the ship.
1: Yeah, I, the, the gun tank was maybe the weakest and most useless out of the three. The gun cannon could be pretty competent. I, I especially liked it when Kai would, like, he would get an enemy
0: close and then just drop down those two guns or one of them and blow the enemy away. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty sad when the gun cannon fell and about it got its leg chopped off, and that was pretty much the end, but... Yeah, it served well. I yeah. liked
1: it. Something about taking out the legs. When you take out the legs, it really collapses. You know, that even happened at the Gundam when the Zeon hit it with that, like, perfect beam shot that
0: took out almost its entire right side. Yeah, the mouth blast. Yeah, that thing was pretty intense. Yeah. Staying on Jaburo for a minute, we got to talk about all the amphibious mobile suits in this back half. Oh, man.
1: Zeon, like, they put too much money into amphibious mobile suits. Like, instead of having two or three, they had, like, six. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So let's see if I can get them all here. First we saw the Gog, then we saw the Zagok, then we saw the Zok, I believe, and then we saw the At guy and the Grabrow, which was the mobile armor. So there was there was four suits and one mobile armor. So uh, we can all agree the Zagok is the the clear winner, right?
1: Yeah, it's definitely got the best design and look to it. It doesn't have the ridiculous proportioned head of the At guy <laughs> It, it doesn't look like a little bridge troll at the Zock.
0: What about the Gog? Without the Gog, though, I feel like there's no Juwagu. Or is the is the Juwagu more of an act guy Maybe
1: it's more of an act I, guy I was going to say the Juwagu is more of an act guy Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely the, well, the head. The head is way more act guy I don't know. I feel like it's almost too divergent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because there's some of the Zagok Zog- the Zogog- in, the, in the Juwagu, right? Let's see. A little bit, you can see some of it.
0: Oh, it says developed, the well, the wiki, if you believe the wiki, the wiki says it was developed from the act guy
1: Okay, okay, there you go. That, that still doesn't make complete sense, just looking at the designs. But sure, they took the internals and kind of slimmed them down <laughs> to an extent. But I, I've never liked the At-Guy's bulbous head. The Gog, it was always just, I don't know... Clumsy.
0: (laughs) It's a little thick.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a a little bumbling mobile suit. (laughs) The Zagok though seems way more perfectly engineered. Like that—that's a
0: killer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're afraid when the Zagok comes by, but like when the Gog comes, you're like, I could probably outrun that.
1: (laughs) And the Zok was just—that was a dead end because we never saw anything like that again. (laughs) It was just a poor design. It was way too bulky it didn't look agile at all i yeah yeah (laughs) i'm
0: glad we never see the zock again (laughs) the one we don't get in here which i think they put in gun the origin the manga but it was in 0080 which was the high gog that one's actually my favorite amphibious mobile suit yeah like it's so sinister with its longer limbs right yeah if this was ever redone as the origin style i would look forward to seeing the high gog more because that was pretty darn cool I'd be very interested in everything being
1: not redesigned, but given the, the facelift treatment that we see so much in modern Gundam anime where they they took what was originally drawn and they really tech it up and detail it up to the point where we look at it and we're like, wow, I would want a model of that. Yeah, I agree. But let's, in closing for the amphibious mobile suits, or if I could just add, I almost wish they just sent in doms. <laughs> at least they would have been able to hover and go fast, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what was the point? The amphibious ones didn't perform that great anyways.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> were they looking for that entrance to Jaburo the whole time? Is that why they had so many? Or Actually, the best amphibious thing they had were, I don't know if you remember this, but when the White Base was crossing the ocean, they were getting torn up on the bottom from those little sea-to-air missiles that had the funny little fins on it. Do you remember those? Those were hilarious. And they were just wrecking the white base. Those were way more effective than any of the amphibious mobile suits.
1: Yeah. White base is designed for re-entry into Earth and exit from Earth, space combat, and flying in the air, but I don't think
0: it was really oriented to preparing for an attack from the ocean. What about the Federation, though, Isaac? Did they ever have a significant amphibious mobile suit? I know there's the Aqua GM, but I don't think that really caught on, right? (laughs) They didn't need to,
1: because the Federation <laughs> at the start of the war had a massive navy, a navy of the world. Yeah. <laughs> that was their navy. So whenever they had to go up against Xeon, I imagine it was just a mix of their naval forces and their air forces. So it was sort of a non-issue, and the, really the, the need for mobile suits was on land against Xeon Zaku's. In space against Xeon's space sakus and doms and and that type. I can't see a need or reason for the Federation to have aquatic mobile suits. And rightly so. (laughs) Because the amphibious mobile suits are next to useless. Any success that Xeon had at Jabral, and I'm talking about the ninja team, they did that on foot. They could have almost just as easily just sent in some type of amphibious landing craft with their ninjas and gotten the same result.
0: Yeah, but then they wouldn't have been able to run away in their at guys putting their claws into the ceiling and swinging like Spider-Man. It made no sense, but I loved it. Yeah,
1: those at guys also got
0: shot up a lot. I think Not all of them made it back. No, I don't think any of them made it back. I'm pretty sure that whoever went with Shar anywhere as his wingman... <laughs> with an amphibious mobile suit they all died i'm pretty sure Amro shot them all
1: you'd think Shar would be kind of half avoided by now right because yeah everybody's like well he was at this battle and he lost and everybody died well <laughs> he was at that battle and he lost and everybody died you know like i do not want to be on the same ship Shar is because we're going into combat and we're probably going to die
0: <laughs> yes yes <laughs> except him i agree and then not only should you be leaving Shar alone but you should also be leaving the gundam alone Right, if you see the Gundam, wouldn't, at this point, wouldn't yeah. you be like, ah, I'm going to run the other way. Like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go around the back.
1: Yeah, like that side story, I think in Skull Heart, right, that we read about where oh, yeah, <laughs> they recounted the Battle of Solomon and how horrified, like most troops were, like to fight the white mobile suit. And <laughs> then they saw the disproportionate head and they assumed the Gundam had been destroyed, but that it was massive. <laughs> 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 In the era of uh, Monofsky Particles, it's it's very hard to
0: um, get a firm grasp on what's real and what's not. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, Makuve, this back half, we got to see him threaten the use of a nuke, Isaac, which is uh, obviously against the Antarctic Treaty. Right. Is that Was that a good move, or was that a catastrophic move, potentially?
1: That's a good question. It, so, if the nuke was successful, you mean?
0: Yeah. So, he gets out, and the nuke is successful, but then... He, Zeon all of a sudden has to deal with the fallout because they're going to be like, Hey, your dude over here used a nuke. Guess what? All of our nukes are now coming to your colony.
1: <laughs> I think Xeon would have been okay with it. And I think the Federation wouldn't have been able to deploy really nukes like that at the snap of their fingers. What we probably would have seen is maybe a, a scene with Kycelia scolding him a bit, but at the same time kind of acknowledging, Well, it's good that you defended Odessa. Yeah. But even if that did work, Zeon's still on borrowed time the Federation will just put together another army and attack again. Maybe they'll use their own nukes. I don't know if they want to nuke Earth. What we could have seen, though, in space is maybe the Federation getting a bit more nuke-happy, like in Shar's Counterattack, where mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a little expected that you'll throw nukes at each other a little bit. Yeah, just to, just to spice <laughs> it up,
0: nuke here and there.
1: Yeah, just like, well, maybe we'll take out their whole fleet. Maybe they'll shoot down the nuke. We'll see. You know, <laughs> We'll sneak, sneak one in. So it would have not really changed the outcome of the war, but it might have delayed it. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Okay.
0: Uh, he made a really interesting comment when he escaped via the Zanzibar. He said Xeon can fight for 10 years with the minerals that he sent to Caecilia. Was he yeah. overestimating himself, or is that true? Is that why Axis survives so long? Well, what did you think about that? That is
1: exactly what I read. I read that Makuve's operations, or Xeon's operations in Earth in general, in the One Year War, moved so much mining material into outer space that even up through... I guess the Sleeves crisis, the Sleeves war, they were still using material that they'd obtained from Earth. Wow. Pretty much almost scot-free to just keep building military units.
0: That's a cool lore line. I like that.
1: Yeah, It was right. He knew the numbers going into space, and yeah, there's there's no way we're going to use that stuff overnight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think, though, that it was necessary for him to escape and then we see him later? Or could they have just dealt with um, him right there? Like, w- Would the show have been that much different?
1: No, no, especially since he wasn't. So much of a threatening villain Or even one that I imagine a lot of fans like But it was a very Makuve move
0: to kind of slither away And fight another day Yeah. Well what about the Gan or whatever However you'd like to say it When Amuro duels him in the Texas Colony I wrote down a list of like best cinematography Shots in this uh, back half yeah. And I loved the shot Of the Gundam entering the Texas Colony Holding the wrecked shield The Gundam is so small relative to the the colony entrance it was just really cool one how do you pronounce the gan I, I believe the dub actor in this series called it the gan without remembering that i've always called it the Gion or the guy how do you say it and then you hate the <laughs> gan typically are you any more or less of a fan of it after this rewatch the shield missiles i thought were cooler than i remember They it seemed pretty effective
1: yeah the shield missiles are cool until the shield gets destroyed. (laughs) But I always found the mobile suit to be too prototype-ish. It really was almost just a vehicle for somebody to use a beam saber against the Gundam. Mm. That kind of seems like the whole purpose of that mobile suit. But I've never been a fan of it. I thought it looks too much like a knight. Makuve clearly had too much influence in its design. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always pronounced it
0: the Gian, the Gian. Oh, maybe the Gaian. Okay, man, I didn't have Gian on my list. God, now that's that's four for that one. Listeners, what are other ways that you pronounce the Gan, the Gaian, the Gian, the Gian? Throw them at me. I'd be curious. The under your uh, Makube design. Did you notice he had a custom G- Gian helmet? Gan helmet.
1: Yeah, he got a little brown and yellow crested helmet, right? <laughs> he did. He did.
0: All the good it did him, but but he did have the custom one
1: yeah and his final words of course were to make sure she got the vase yes <laughs> the 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 vase did they ever go into like detail i don't remember specifically what what was so special about it was it from like france in like the 17th century or like china from like the ming dynasty or something like that
0: i don't recall but yeah i, okay. I guess his priorities were skewed a bit the bigger
1: question is did caecilia get the vase yeah well <laughs> she got something it would have been nice if we like saw it on the bridge later, like with her, right? Yeah the the,
0: <laughs> the rocket should have like first broke the vase and then her face. D- <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> that rhymed. That was that great. Was terrible.
1: First, <laughs> I yeah, Char's poem. First, I broke the vase and then I rocketed her face. <laughs> <laughs> was the relationship between Makueve and Caecilia almost a one way romance? Or was there really no romance at all and Mikuvi was just really deluded into thinking it was some kind of knight on a a mission for a lady in a war?
0: You know, I've never approached it that way, but I've always wondered if kaecelia had any romances because i don't think we've been shown any is that correct unless you count makuve no
1: she was all business and i don't even know if i would count makuve because with the times we see them talking alone it's very superior and subordinate
0: right yeah she she doesn't strike me as the type who would go for someone like makuve
1: no no
0: she strikes me as someone who would go for someone like Slegger, but she would be giving the orders
1: yeah, actually. Oh, I don't
0: even know if she'd go for
1: Slayer. You know? <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch much love between them. Maybe um, professional friendship. That might be the closest that I caught. Right. So Yeah. Shared goals, maybe, or
0: shared interests in the art world. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But I, I don't remember her saying much about art at all. It might have all been from him. <laughs>
0: yeah. I agree. So before some of the more serious topics, Isaac, on this rewatch, something I noticed is that the gyms did not have a good showing at all. I don't recall really any moments when the gyms contributed anything meaningful to the battle. I think maybe we saw one or two destroy a Zaku or a Dom, but that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's much more implied that it's off screen or in the battle montages. It usually shows like the gym or the ball get a shot and then get destroyed. Right. Yes. The Zaku and then like the Xeon space fighter shoot a missile and then get destroyed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're at the meat grinder phase of the war. Yeah, so they were just more like fodder to push forward, I suppose, and with the, the idea that one of them will do something if you send enough in.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> it'd be cool to see a, a side story, anime series, of just the gyms. Right. You know, yeah. throughout the war, and they hear kind of rumors about the white mobile suit, and that they're based on it, they're like, well, I wish we had that survivability right. or <laughs> stuff like that. Right.
0: Or, you know, are they going to make more of those white bases? <laughs> Why can't we get <laughs> one? I my solemnists. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't mean that. I don't mean this con this comment in the context of like all gyms did poorly because obviously there's a ton of side stories where they do great things, but like within just this show, yeah. they really don't do much.
1: It's just we know they're in the background, we know they're fighting, so clearly they're off in the distance somewhere, getting killed and being destroyed.
0: Let's talk about one of the main victimizers of the gym, Isaac, and that was Dozil Zabi in the Big Zom. Maybe one of the coolest episodes right. in the show the big Zom's last stand. All the gym pilots called him the monster. Dozel decides to lead the remaining mobile suits out of Solomon towards the main fleet. Uh, What a guy, right? That's the guy you want as your leader. And there's this scene where he emerges from like the halls of Solomon and he melts all the gyms and the balls in his way. And it's just fantastic. And then he flies out in the Zom right into the Salamis fleet and destroys four Salamis all at once. Do we know how... I tried to look this I'd find it. Do we know how many he took out at Solomon? I mean, what were they going to do if the Gundam wasn't there? I mean,
1: no, they couldn't put together the solar ray in time. And I think he destroyed what's left of it, right? So they couldn't deploy it even at like a fraction of the strength.
0: Well, they had already shot it twice, I think. Cause, and I think the yeah. second time was only at 60% chance of working. Because when they fired it the first time, it was interesting. They definitely showed a lot of the mirrors melting. So they can't keep firing that thing.
1: I'm about to say it, but this might be the situation where the Federation needs a nuke. Yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Right? Other than that, you just have... Well, they can't even... You, okay, never mind. I'll take this back. It would have to be missile barrage, like Amrill pointed out. We can't really use our beam weapons. We'll have to rely on missiles. So it would take the solemnises, eventually deducing that, and then some... At, I assume Gen, uh, General Revel would say, look... This thing is clearly causing a lot of damage. Beam weapons don't seem to be working. Everybody, fire your missiles in this zone. Yeah. And then that would have done it just through sheer numbers. Uh,
0: would they have had the time to make that decision now? Because he was just, you know, blowing them up as he goes along. I don't know. At some point, they would use missiles, I suppose. But... Yeah.
1: With with the number of ships and missiles going around, it would have gotten hit sooner or later. So. I I think it was
0: it was a matter of when the Zom would go down, not if. But the amount of casualties that he would have inflicted. A lot. Had they mass-produced the Big Zom, that would have been pretty cool.
1: Had he not been killed so early, I imagine Revel would have been much more eager to pick
0: up the call when Degwin called. Mm, true. You've previously described the Zeal as looking like the ideals of Zeon took shape. I kind of think that's true of the Big Zom, at least the One Year War version of zeon like the the zombie zeon it's not quite as elegant as the noisiel but it has that intimidating silhouette yeah it's very other right it's it's opposite of the gundam which is humanoid the big zom has these huge legs this weird torso these horns i don't know i really like the big zom big fan of the big zom
1: yeah it's pretty great and even compared to the other mobile armors it's in a league of its own not just because of size but design the other mobile armors if you looked at all their silhouettes you know like pokemon style like what <laughs> pokemon is it they they do kind of blend together yeah. right we got the slit mono eye in the middle that's always huge mm-hmm. they always kind of have a, a bulbous size to them uh, maybe a couple arms or pincers or something claws and that's it big engines in the back So in general, kind of a Frisbee approach to the design. (laughs) (laughs) But the big Zom, it's like this kind of gourd, onion, onion, (laughs) this trapezoidal (laughs) onion with massive claw legs that are almost never used to grab, (laughs) just for pure locomotion. And then it's got like multiple cannons on it and stuff like that. It's, It's pretty cool. And it takes a team of three. Most mobile armors we saw... Just need a single pilot, which might explain why they don't live as long. Yeah, but <laughs> that's fair. Whoever realized that, okay, bigger mobile armor, more people, they made the
0: right decision. <laughs> what about Mirai's father? Should we have gotten more background about that? Or like were those few comments enough?
1: Yeah, I would have liked his appearance almost in the same way Frau Bo loses her mother and I think grandmother in episode mm-hmm. one. It would have been nice to see a vague idea of what he does. Maybe we see a guy running around and clearly a, a high-level officer's uniform and he gets killed. Or he's in like a, a suit leaving with um, some important delegation and their shuttle gets taken out. You know, j- just stuff, clues we could have seen where, oh, wow, a big mover and shaker got taken out. And then later on it's, oh, he would later Mirai. Okay, that explains it. Yeah, I agree. But... In the Sunset expanded 0079 <laughs> series Two seasons, 50 episodes each season We'll expand
0: on it In the 100 episode version of Mobile Scene Gundam. <laughs> 200 episodes, 100 each season 18 will be devoted to Mirai's father
1: <laughs> 15 episodes on the hidden romance between Makuve and Cassilia. <laughs> I just have to say that um, I'm glad I was spared from seeing Dagwin actually die. (laughs) I see him get hit with the light. (laughs) I think I see more of a rebel getting killed. But yeah, I'm glad I was spared
0: seeing him get like, you know, flung across the bridge incinerated. (laughs) Well, what did you think about the solar ray system in general? I mean, because we had the solar flare system and the solar ray system. Those were our two super weapons for the series later series maybe have more super weapons but they're all fueled by these ones so i didn't remember that the solar ray fired kind of like in the beginning of an episode like it was no big deal
1: it almost seems like they it was such a good secret they really didn't <laughs> tell anybody else in the federation fleet right they had like a vague idea there was a weapon but then it got fired they're like oh i guess they're firing a weapon
0: yeah and then they all died <laughs>
1: Man, it was, it was such a good blow to Xeon. It was so epic to see. But the solar ray, this time around, I don't remember them mentioning that it had burned out or that they fired it too early.
0: They did not. They did not. Yeah, I, I was listening yeah. to that, and I was like, oh, I thought we talked about that. But yeah, they didn't do that, but they made a big point that it could only be fired once. Maybe that's what you were remembering uh, before. Ah, okay. it, it was not built to be yeah. fired multiple times. But I, I in that same conversation, though, they did say, they implied that there would be an arc, which meant that they would sort of sweep it a little bit.
1: I see. So this is a case of... Rebel split the fleet, maybe, to meet with Dagwin. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, the solar ray was less effective because it couldn't hit the whole combined Federation fleet, you think?
0: Well, it could be, because there was that other mention. Giren says something after... But I think it was before Kyselia gets there, but after he had fired it, he says the number of ships... Uh, and he's referring to the number of ships left or the number of ships still at Abawakou that are coming in from the Federation. And he says the number of ships doesn't make sense based on what Kaecilia had told us. Yeah. I, was I to interpret that Kaecilia gave him bad info on purpose, or is it because of the fleet splitting thing that you're talking about?
1: No, I, I assumed at that point Kaecilia already knew based on what she was talking about with her, the officers on her bridge. So I think she gave him a bad count
0: on purpose what was the goal of doing it on purpose though at that point
1: yeah that's a good point like cuz if she gets back then
0: she d- she wouldn't have known that he had killed Degwin at that point she strongly suspects <laughs> well yeah, it, yeah yeah but th- not before giving him the count i think i don't know yeah i'm not sure either
1: well listeners if you know what we're talking about please explain it <laughs> yeah <laughs> cuz i mean if she gave him a bad count and she's going back to about coup... She's going to be facing the results of that
0: bad count. Like, exactly. That's my point. Like, they're still somewhat on the same side, you know, for, yeah. for better or worse at the time being.
1: You know what? Maybe she's just being petty. She's like, you know what? You think you killed half the fleet? Nah. I'll tell you, you killed half the fleet, even though technically you only killed like 25%.
0: Yeah, because, like, he goes, he goes, we have reduced their forces by 50%. But then when she sees that he had fired it, she goes, check how many are left. They couldn't have even got uh, 40% or something like that. So she, yeah. she obviously had a different assessment. And then when she's sitting in the chair later, she like, I don't know where says, are you
1: sure? And then like the officers in her little corner, are like, yeah, we're positive. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, a new Federation fleet's coming. Yes. Does that mean, I guess whoever took over after Revel or, or Gop or whatever scrambled a new fleet after hearing the solar ray fire?
0: Either that or they, they just had more than Zeon thought they did.
1: Okay. Boy, everyone's counting bad.
0: <laughs> those those Minovsky <laughs> particles, man, you know, you... It's hard to count when you got those things flying around. Oh, did you catch Garen saying stardust this time? I did. I did. I had my ears yeah. out for that one. Yep. So they turned my turned our enemies into stardust, and I was like, "There it is." There you go, right <laughs> before
1: the last hail Zeon.
0: So Isaac, we also saw the emergence of new types in this back half. They had been hinted at a little bit in the first half, but we really went full on in it in the second half. Here, there were some hints right. building up. The hints were pretty good. Again. Continuing with the the show's theme of showing, not telling. Some hints that we got were when Matilda came on board, Mirai became very afraid after staring at Matilda for a second. Did she feel Matilda's impending death? Because that's that's how I took that.
1: I would assume so. But at the same time, we didn't see a lot of new type premonitions by that point. So it's almost something that rewards you if you watch it later.
0: (laughs) That's fair. Very sad, though. Yeah, poor Lieutenant Matilda. Her hair was strikingly red, by the way. It was, like, overly red. Did you notice that? Not as red as that cockpit after
1: she no. got smashed into a pulp. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Hell <Hail>. yeah. <Leon.
0: laughs> oh, man. Uh, so when the, crew, when the white base crew was at Jaburo... Our heroes take turns explaining how their physicals went and Amaro's like, Oh yeah, they I was in there a lot longer. They were doing the the brain scans on me and everyone was like, Oh, okay, like with the tone of like, Well that's weird, like I didn't get brain scans. They told me I'm like I'm just fine. Your Your brain's no
1: good. <laughs> we only want the the guys with the big brains
0: <laughs> Well speaking of big brains, did you notice that Shalia Bull and Lala have huge helmets? I guess for their huge new type brains. <laughs> Well, she needs it for her hair. Um, <laughs> what about Shalia? He has normal hair. He's kind of got a lot of hair too, if you
1: think about it. <laughs> He's really skirting those regulations.
0: The Saikamu's or whatever, maybe they you require bigger helmets for those. But they they had just these giant space helmets they had on big mega mine helmet. they look like an amphibious he, mobile suit wearing that thing.
1: To to what you said about him earlier, I kind of want to learn more about him, right, and his story. It seemed like there was a lot of potential with him and. Came from Jupiter, and he just came back. He's clearly good enough that they want to put him in this prototype mobile armor that's virtually untested, and and it did really well at least for a while before being destroyed. Man, what what's his side story manga series
0: like? Yeah, you get like sort of his whole plot in like one or two episodes, and I agree, he's really intriguing. I wish we got more. I wish he didn't die so soon. His death was pretty anticlimactic. I mean, Amro just kind of was like, ah, I'm done with this battle, and he just kind of stabbed him. But there was a lot of showing and not telling happening here. And it was really fast, even for the standards of, of this show and this type of writing. He walks in, they say, oh, he's back from Jupiter. He's like the head of the Helium-3 fleet. And Garen's like, you know, you're a new type. I need you to do this thing. And he already senses that he will serve under Kaecilia. But then Garen asks him to think deeper about why he's sending him there to Casselia. Does that imply that he wants Shalia to kill her or keep an eye on her? Do you remember that part? Uh, vaguely. I mean,
1: I don't think he would kill her. He doesn't seem the type that would kill her, right? No, no, he, no. He seemed yeah. very professional officer. Absolutely. I, I th- literally, the only reason they put a man of that age into the cockpit, I assume, was because, as far as they were concerned, he was one of the few confirmed new types.
0: Yeah. What I th- also thought was interesting about him is, this is a guy that was sent specifically by Girin, who Char clearly hates not that he doesn't hate Kaecilia, but he obviously also hates Girin. Shard did not really hate Shalia He says of him after he died that he was a man caught between Kaecilia and Girin who couldn't put on an act. That's like a very specific description. And he also says "and we should let him rest in peace. So Shard didn't mind this hmm. guy, which is very rare. I, you know, Shard doesn't particularly like many people in this show outside of Lala.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. He was very much almost too professional. He wasn't really going to play the political game that everybody else seemed to be playing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, would I agree with you. I, I would have liked more Shaliable. He was pretty interesting. He seemed like an okay guy, too. Yeah. yeah, he was more... He was like Space roll. Yeah, you're you're not going to get atrocities with uh, Shaliyabul. Isaac, let's talk about Kyselia. So one thing I liked about Kaecilia in the back half... Was she was the only one smart enough to look into Char's background and, and ruin his little charade.
1: Yeah, but man, did she miscalculate in terms of, <laughs> oh, yeah, you caught me. But you know what? <sighs> I really can't stand this Federation. We'll, we'll deal with our issues after they're gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, oops.
1: Sure thing, son of the man my family plotted to kill. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to say, so listeners, if you've, if you've ever watched this show... You should at least go watch this part where Shar shoots Casilia <laughs> in the head. It's the headshot of all headshots, right Isaac? I mean, it's perfect.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. It like goes through her neck and the chair kind of catapults <laughs> her backwards and then of course the rocket detonates inside the bridge and kills everybody in the bridge.
0: And his his line is great too. He says, "Garma, I'm sending your sister to join you. Consider this my farewell present." And then he fires.
1: Ironically, it was somewhat unnecessary because if you remember, the minute The second that Zanzibar was out of the the docking bay, like there's like two Salamis's kind of waiting and they like blow it away.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, right, she would have just died anyway.
1: Yeah, I I mean, unless the plan was I'm in the Zanzibar, broadcast an immediate ceasefire so that my ship can meet with whoever's in command and we'll negotiate Mm -hmm. Or I have no idea what would have gone differently if the bridge was still intact. Maybe they would have been able to put up a better defense or put up some uh, some anti-beam uh, mist and gas. Yeah. And they would have booked it out of there. Who knows? But as from what I can see, they were they were toast before the, the ship left the docking bay. I agree. Oh, I think that's why one of the officers was kind of really complaining, like, you know, I don't care if they're Zaku's. Send something out to escort us. Yeah, I do remember that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could be why. Yeah, maybe they would have bought them time, or at least sending Zakus out there would have at least occupied the Solemuses while they get away. Yeah, drawn the fire, perhaps.
0: Also on this rewatch, I noticed, is this why you love Kaecilia so much? Because there's that scene where she's really bothered by Lala's flowing clothes and insists that she put on EZ on uniform, and she even, like, (laughs) demands that, regardless of the shortage, like, someone needs to get this chick a uniform. Like, she shares your affinity for uniforms and, like, uniform, you know, conformity. (laughs)
1: I mean, it's partly, yeah. that's <laughs> it's partly true why I like her. I also like how she goes into serious mode where she, like, covers her face with her mask. Yes. So you can't tell what she's, like, thinking. She's like, uh-oh, I, I better put my mask on.
0: <laughs> Time to think. <laughs> is that the official reason for the mask or is that your headcanon? Because that actually kind of makes sense. It's like, it's like her poker face, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, she's always been so sneaky and backhanded compared to, like and Dozel especially, and even Garma. So I think she's very much, okay, you need to be mysterious. Put on something that covers your face. Nobody really knows what you're thinking. Everybody will keep thinking that you're a very mysterious person. So just do it. It gives you an edge.
0: There was two other things about Casio. One, there was that moment when you knew that she knew that Zion had lost. And that was when she's on her bridge, and she's asking why the Doms and the Gelgoogs are faring so terribly yeah her officer guy Twanig I think was his name
1: Twony or something like that yeah
0: informs her that students are controlling these and although they're fully trained they're young they're not doing well <laughs> and like at that moment you have to know you lost right
1: yeah pretty much but <laughs> what did he say you won't find more patriotic pilots he did that was his <laughs>
0: exact line yes <laughs>
1: But we only see one of those pilots once, and very tellingly, he calls out to his mother before he dies. I think he gets shot by the Gundam or something else. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his cockpit's kind of heating up, and then he goes, Mommy, and then the, the Gundam blows, or his mobile suit blows up. Yeah. So, yeah, these are very young men, unfortunately, um, pressed into service. Depending on what sources you read, according to this, they were volunteered, but then again, that was her officer telling Kaecilia... Um, yeah, and according to um, MS Igloo, it seemed like maybe they were half pressed into service, half volunteered.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed pretty mixed in Igloo. Right, there was some patriotism yeah. there, but it also seemed like a lot of them were scared. Right, if you are in high school, you are now a pilot. Yeah, or something. Good like luck. Here is a Gelgoog.
1: Ooh, speaking of Gelgoog, Brian Shar said something very interesting when he was pulling up to Balakou and things were getting ready to battle. All the mobile suits were heading out, and he says, "Wow, they sent out all the Gelgoogs. It's too bad there isn't one for me." And then Kyselia kinda of pitches in the Xeong. Mm-hmm. Do you think if Shar had a Gelgoog, he would have done better? No. Because he's more familiar with it?
0: No. 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 <laughs> Amaro had already beat him in the Gelgoog. He, he couldn't use his Gelgoog because it was damaged from the last battle. Yeah. So if anything, Amaro's getting better, not worse. So I, I he he would have beat him anyway. Shar did alright in the Gelgoog. I do think he probably underperformed in the Xeong, uh, or the Jiang, I guess, as the show said. Yeah. But I think he probably should have done a little better in that. Do you think that the, the Zeong or the Jiang, do you think it should have been red? Was it weird that it wasn't red?
1: It wasn't weird because it sounded like they were assembling it to give to who knows who. I mean was it Shalia originally supposed to get it? That's interesting. Did they have some other new type pilot who died before or couldn't get there mm-hmm. in time? I don't know. But um for that reason, since it wasn't specifically for Shar, I think that's why it wasn't red.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get that. I just mean, it was weird that he had red stuff the whole show and the one he goes out on isn't red.
1: Yeah, but for all we know, the artist did a mock-up of it red and maybe it was too demonic since it's got those antlers. Mm-hmm. So they were like, uh, eh, this, this doesn't work for us. Let's let, what, what else can we do? Well, we can slap on some, the, the usual Xeon Dom colors. Okay, we'll, we'll mostly go with that. Yeah,
0: okay, that's fair. One last thing about Kyselia. When things are looking bad, right? She tells Twanig to surrender a 15 minutes after she leaves. And then he's like, okay, what about me? And she's like, well, I promised to get you first in the prisoner exchange. But, like, this dude just saw her shoot Giran in the back of the head. Should he really believe her that she's going to get him out of the prisoner exchange first? I mean... Because I wouldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he should. I think Kaecilia is there for her team. Okay, um, She's not there for her brother after he murder her father, but I think I think she would have gone through with that.
0: Okay. All right. You would say that, you uh zombie loyalist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can see her doing that for like McCuve definitely, right? Can't you? Uh
0: yeah, I could see it for McCuve for
1: sure. Yeah. I would see the same for Twani, just because he's space McCuve. Space <laughs> We had space Ramboral and Shali bull <laughs> and we have Space McCuve and Twani.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Amuro's dad and how much of a jerk he is.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. What happened after he went to space? Uh, I don't know.
0: So Amuro continues to prove, Isaac, that he's such a good guy, right? Kai tries to leave, and Amuro's like, oh, Kai, if you leave, you're going to need some money, so here's my toolbox. You could sell it. Amuro's just like a shirt-off-his-back kind of guy. He meets his dad yeah. again inside 6, and his first words are, oh, hi, Amuro. How's the Gundam doing? Isaac... This just isn't the worst dad. Come on. I
1: feel <laughs> I feel like Omar was very justified in thinking that he had brain damage <laughs> after after everything they've been through and something had happened to him because he was acting so weird, right? right. Like so abrasive and then just the technology obsessed. He was a man who kind of lost everything, had to kind of put together his life there. And for whatever reason, the work just took over more of his life than, you know, his family. So Temre is not anybody's
0: fan favorite. <laughs> so do you buy the brain damage idea or what do you think?
1: No, I th- I think it's, well, damage more in the sense of like psychological because everything he went through, he, this thing he worked on, got t- kind of taken away from him and hijacked and didn't get to see Amuro. Not that he really cared about Amuro even before this. So yeah, this is a case of s- someone being unfit to be a parent at the same time losing the one thing they did care about and this is the result
0: <laughs> yeah i wasn't really clear if if the brain damage thing was real just by watching the tv series apparently in the third compilation film spoilers i guess he he falls down his stairwell pushed <laughs> push yeah, well maybe <laughs> uh but i guess that kind of implies that maybe he's not doing well so maybe he really does have brain damage but yeah i couldn't tell on the first watch if it was just Omro making an excuse like you know that's why my dad doesn't like me blah 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 that kind of thing but yeah probably certainly doesn't help Tamra's image
1: Temre's just a mess he was a mess before this in terms of not being there for Almero and being so obsessed with the Gundam and then when the war actually started or at least came to their side it became a case of him just not having to his life's work available to work on and who knows what he knows about the white base it almost seems like he forgot about it right yeah he made no effort to look for amuro apparently it's just the worst welcoming for amuro (laughs) my heart goes out to amuro that was so terrible
0: yeah it was rough to watch poor guy because he's not really getting a lot of support right i mean i guess beside like the white base is basically his family now so
1: yeah, and I mean they all support each other, but to an extent, they're all kind of four siblings. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, Bright at this point is not really Amiral's father figure. He's just no, he's not old enough. Yeah, he's the ship older brother. Yeah, you know, that's about it. You know, Mirai is just maybe Amiral's surrogate big sister. Yeah, so they all support each other and all that, but they're closer to equals. Then the more hierarchical structure you'd get with like Temre being actually his his dad. Yeah. So uh, Temre, not a fan. Don't like you. <laughs> Hope one day my my Dom encounters you in whatever civilian city or location you're at. It will not go well. The heat rod will go through
0: him like a hot knife through butter.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'll I'll say all right, village. Everybody's okay. <laughs> Just send out Temre. <laughs> it's like who are you? I'm Admiral Isaac. You don't know me. <laughs> But I know Amro. <laughs>
0: so, Isaac, I think the two biggest parts of the back half of this show, I thought, were the developments between Shar and Selah, and then separately, Amro, Shar, and Lala. So, which one would you like to discuss first? Hmm, Lala. Lala, okay. <laughs> Let's get the worst out of the way. So, I actually liked Lala
1: more on, on this pass. I'll agree with you half of the way. I'll I'll say that I kind of matured in my response and she was less annoying <laughs> than I originally remember the first time I watched it. She came off as much more level-headed. Yeah. Not too confident at first, but she kind of got over that. But she was a much more reasonable character and I wasn't really annoyed by her at all. It was just kind of more like, oh, I remember you. I, I used to be annoyed by you. <laughs> <laughs> I see you're still in a moo-moo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is it, it's mostly the moo-moo that gets you, I, I feel like. part of, Yeah, me and Kaecilia, we have very, very strict approaches to how you need to dress for, for war and combat.
0: <laughs> so I liked it the second time because I realized that there was a big sort of connection to charge counterattack here that I didn't remember since I hadn't watched the show in so long. But to sum it up, early in the 30s, the episode 30s, I think it's 33, Amaro sees a swan. He gets a new type Flash. He meets Lala. They don't really know who each other are, but they they watch the swan die uh, over this lake. Hmm. And then it stops raining and, and Lala runs off. Later on in that same episode, Amro gets his car stuck and Shar and Lala pick him up. This is probably one of the better scenes in the show. Amro tells Shar his name. Shar feels like he knows Amro from somewhere, but he doesn't know who Amuro is. Amro though, knows it's Shar. He senses that it's Char. Which follows with the idea that Amuro is further along as a new type than Char is. Because right all the way up until the end, Char doesn't even know if he's a new type. But Amuro is like uh, full on in it.
1: And Char will never catch up. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Because
0: Amuro is the superior pilot. (laughs) Absolutely. Then a little bit later, Lala is finally the one to get Char to put on a normal suit, Isaac. If you remember, Char was like, I never wear a normal suit because I always intend on coming back. And if I don't come back, then it's not going to matter. But in that same episode, Amro finds Lala, and this is one of the battles in the Elmith. He destroys her bits, he starts conversing with her mentally, and Lala is starting to become a bit broken up, because she reveals that she's fighting for Shar because he saved her life, which we saw in the origin. Mm-hmm. But now she's concerned, and I think she's realizing very quickly, that she is sort of following the wrong person, or she's regretting why she met Amuro now and not earlier. Cause right, she she can't have this same mental conversation with Shard, right? Cause Shard, yeah, they, I mean they don't show it, but it implies that he he doesn't know the extent of Lala's powers, you know. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to ask her all the time, "Are you feeling okay? Is, is your head hurt?" Blah blah blah. He would just know, cause Amro the Amro would just know. And I I kind of bought this Isaac. She's basically upset that she met the guy that she thinks she has a better connection with too late, and I think that's understandable. we've seen it happen before in fiction or in real life. Yeah. And, you know, they have a connection that just she and Shar don't have. And then at least not yet on the Char's part. Maybe Shar has it after Lala's death. I'm not sure. Maybe that's debatable. I'd probably have to go watch some more stuff to catch up on that. But And then <laughs> I thought the Elmeth destruction was done well. I bought it that he accidentally stabbed her, you know, with all that was going on. Sayla was there. Shar was there. Lala, Amaro. They kept second guessing. And then she got in the way and, boom, ate the saber to the face she's in the moomoo Isaac Isaac cuz it it looks like a swan she has the same swan like quality so the swan dies in the elmith just like the episode near the lake it was it was foreshadowing and then a very significant exchange so amaro's talking to the dying lala or the dead lala i guess you know didn't take that long you got to save her the face right it's pretty instant
1: <laughs> if she was <if laughs> talking to the di- the dying lala it would have gone like ah! yeah the conversation's <laughs> over and she's being cooked by that beam <laughs>
0: And she says, people are becoming like us. And Amuro eventually says, people will be able to control time once people understand each other. And she says she can see time itself, which is basically, she's beyond the time, Isaac. And that's the main theme. That's the theme song of Shara's Counterattack. She now exists beyond the time, right? Time is no longer limiting to her. She can talk to Amuro whenever she wants. Amuro even says that. He says, sorry, I didn't die in this battle at the very end, but I know that I can talk to Lala all the time, like anytime I need to. And that's a big thing for me because I think that's what Tamino meant by beyond the time. This idea that Amro said they can control time. I don't think that means they can actually control time in the sense of like time travel, but it's just this ability to communicate at any time. Kind of like Force Ghosts in Star Wars, right? Absolutely.
1: And I think this gets proven and brought up again recently in Hathaway's Flash where Quest talks to Hathaway.
0: Yes, that's, that's a great point. And you know why? Yeah. It's because Tomino wrote that as well. But mm. some spoilers for Unicorn and Gundam Narrative. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I think the, the new type stuff is perhaps being taken in a bit of a wrong direction. Because in Gundam Narrative, they I'm not going to go too much into it. We'll save that to another day. Uh-oh. They blatantly explain some things that new types have the ability to manipulate time. And I don't think that that's what the original intent was here. To me, beyond the time means that you just exist outside of time. Time is no longer relevant to you. To me, it doesn't mean that new types can control time and and move it forward or move it backward. That wasn't what I took from this. So that irks me a little bit just because this is the, the climax of the show and to me, this is the original intent, but I'd be really curious what some listeners think on that. Maybe I'm off base and maybe I'm just being overly critical but but we'll get into narrative another day, right. I don't know. is that too critical isaac what do you what do you think here no I <sighs>
1: I can see the argument for time control. And let me explain. I don't mean, you know, a bunch of new types are, like, going through time. Right. <laughs> Although we did pitch Chrono yeah, Well, right.
0: But we didn't pitch it with, like, new type power. We pitched it with a, yeah, an engine. Th- they're
1: forcing it with tech. <laughs> yeah. I think the only way it could work is people saying, oh, well, the reason you know, new type pilots move so fast and have such quick reflexes or they're able to move their mobile armors or mobile suits so fast and shoot more, or maneuver faster, things like that is they're time traveling in the sense that they can move themselves faster through time. They're speeding up time mm-hmm. just for themselves or they're seeing into the future just for themselves. But I think more to the point what you're meaning as far as Tomino, as a new type, your consciousness can exist without your body. So right. for that, You literally are, you know, beyond the reach of time. You will be in in quest, in Hathaway's case, a part of their life, even if your body's not here correct so I, th- I think that's very very much what it means or or lala in terms of you know and Shars counterattack when the the light appears around the earth and all that and oh it's a mixture of Shars light and Amaro's light and lala's light and okay sure you know everybody got reunited
0: <laughs> everybody <laughs> lived happily ever after beyond the type. yeah yeah if you're
1: <laughs> if you're a new type it's a pretty great deal cuz <laughs> you'll live forever that's, you know <laughs> There's, there's the shalia bull voice out there if you want to talk to him not a lot of people want to talk to him but he's
0: out there <laughs> he's like hey guys why does no one ever hit me up for advice
1: yeah Did i ever tell you kids about that time i went to jupiter <laughs> <laughs> i saw a space whale <laughs> <laughs> Next time, Mr. Bull, I, th- I think that was seed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think he came back and he was like, "Hey, there's this dude out there. He just doesn't seem very nice. You guys might want to keep tabs on him."
1: Yeah, oh, th- he's just screaming constantly. You guys have to watch out. He's he's a nut. Kruxto Gadi, <laughs> he's coming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so after Lala dies, Isaac, Amro, and Shar, you know, they argue a little bit more. Amro demands to know why Shar got Lala involved you know, saying she wasn't meant to be a war a warrior, which I think that's a fair comment. But then Shar is like, you know, you're misguided. He kinda takes credit, not really takes credit, but he's like, hey, without this war, she wouldn't have become a new type. She wouldn't have awakened anyway. And then it gets a little weird, you know, Amra Shar like, New types like you, Amra, are too dangerous, so I'm gonna have to get rid of you. We're gonna get into Shar in a second here, but Shar kinda went from wanting to kill the zombies to then wanting to enter a mage of new types. And he does a lot of decision-making in the last, like, two episodes, Isaac, where he finally meets Amuro and Sayla inside of Baoku. You know, they, they have their little fencing duel. He eventually just kind of leaves them alone, and he's like, hey, you guys should fight with me for new types when Zeon's gone. Lala would be proud, and they get separated. One of the most interesting parts, I think, is when Shar tells Selah that Amuro is calling for you now. I think this is a, a reference to how the novel was, where Amuro and Sayla. They were together. Right. Armro dies in the novel, but that's that's separate. But That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is different, right? It wasn't meant to go beyond the novel, I don't think, so it, it was kind of just over. Sol- Solar Ray kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but to me, that's that's setting up like a would-be romance in the future that didn't happen. I mean, obviously, Sela's voice actress, she wasn't available during Zeta Gundam, so they kind of had to write her out. To me that line is setting up the future and it never happened because of that. Like I wonder how different Zeta Gundam would have been if Sayla had played a, a different role.
1: I feel like it would have been better, really, because it would have brought back almost a female lead. Who knows? But yeah. <laughs> more to the point, if Shar's back, it kinda of raises the question of should Selah also have very much a front and center role? So ultimately they decided no. Yeah. But um it's a good what if, you know.
0: They didn't show Shar dying. But and they put this line in, so they were at least somewhat thinking about the future of like, well, maybe it'll, maybe we can go on later on. it's, it's a weird line to kind of include. So anyway, I'm I'm a big like Sela fan in terms of like elevating her a little bit. I feel like if that's what we're gonna see in the live action movie, Isaac. I feel like she's gonna play a bigger role um, than she did in the, in the show.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna make a new character. If they're gonna keep her. But I would be very surprised and to an extent disappointed if we didn't have stronger female representation than we did in the original series. Uh, Well, it was really strong already. I'll say this, active piloting. I'll I'll narrow it down. We'll we'll both, I think, Brian, be a bit disappointed if we don't see active piloting.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because, again, if you had just put Sayla in a mobile suit, that would have gone a long way. And then once you introduce this romance angle, it makes so much sense, Isaac, right? Yeah. Shar's sister falls in love with Amro, his his arch nemesis. I mean, it writes itself. It's not like it's coming out of nowhere. Like, it was like that in the novel. They were hinting at it yeah. here. Shar was even telling her, like, is waiting for you. So, I don't know. I, I To me, it makes sense. People may disagree, but that's my take. But
1: It's funny, because, like, we just finished the series, but the movie's coming out, and I'm leaning towards them making it closer to the series, at least a fraction of it. And I'd really hope that they improve on it, you know? So it's going to be really interesting watching the movie when it comes out now that we just wrapped up this series.
0: Yeah. I mean, you get a chance to kind of sharpen it, right?
1: Yeah. Let's, we'll see how many backhands they keep and slaps. <laughs> Somehow
0: I think it's going to be zero. Well, actually, <laughs> Sailor might be doing the backhanding. so
1: I, c- I can see a bright slap happening.
0: Well, yeah, one bright slap, I agree. Yeah. Having Sayla slap people, though, that would be a good nod to the fandom.
1: <laughs> Mirai slaps Slager, maybe. Or...
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Now, for Char and Sayla though, Isaac, let's try to chart Char's evolution here. So he originally starts the show wanting to kill the zombies, right? Yeah. But then at some point around mid-series, he says he can't rest until the Gundam is taken down because Amuro has dented his pride. He asks Selah to quit the Federation... But then Sela is like, I'm not going to sit around and watch Char waste his life taking revenge on the zombies. She sees his revenge goal on the zombies as, like, not worth it. And I'm not sure I agree with her there. If if the zombies did to my family what they did to Char's, I think I would probably think more along the lines of Char. What, what did you think about Selah thinking what he was doing wasn't worth it?
1: It's a very Selah response because she's a more compassionate person. You have to remember when she went to Earth, she was a trained doctor, right, yeah. By um, in Spain, so she, she's younger than Shar too, and to an extent, maybe a lot of the stuff that happened in side three kind of went over her head and might be more of a vague memory.
0: That's true. She was younger.
1: I can absolutely see Shar, who was much more present in the moment when all that was happening, kind of give it a, a a focus for his revenge, and and her being much more um dismissive. Well, that was in the past. Well, you know, dad's ideas clearly have led to war. So I I really don't want to focus on avenging dad. So yeah, I can see why she kind of put it in the rearview mirror and went on with her life.
0: What did you think about getting the story of Degwin taking over Zeon kind of told to us? It's either Sela telling Bright or Shar telling Sela, where he says, you know, what Jim Baral told us when we were young was true. Zeon Zumdaikun wanted people to become new types, and Jimba felt Daikin pointed at Degwin to say it was him who eliminated him, but then Degwin said it was him choosing him as as, uh, his successor. That's pretty important. We got in a small little nugget there. I think one of the things that had to have been condensed was more on this new type plot. I still liked it, but I felt like it needed a little bit more, and that was probably part of the casualty of the cancellation. Yeah, I can see that,
1: and... I feel like that is essentially something that maybe was better saved for origin. Not that their plan was to do origin, but the, the whole Xeon political setup, and there wasn't any time. So yeah, it w- it was definitely something that was cut for time. And I think they did it about as well as they could, you know, that might be the only time we see Xeon and then a young thinner <laughs> take <Taeguin. laughs> And the quick explanation about how he, you know, wiped out all their enemies and seized power and all that. It's about as well as we could have expected. I really don't think we should see in the movie, though, because there's going to be no time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there wasn't any real time in this series. I agree. It definitely would also stop the momentum of the show to have like a few episodes of a flashback for a slow moving political situation. So I I agree with you
1: you'd almost need like Char having a nightmare of like him seeing Dagwin like put something in a drink with Zeon and they're like toasting you know for liberation or something and then and then like you know he was a child but then only later does he realize what it was yeah that makes sense he wakes up from the nightmare in like a cold sweat and he's like you know (laughs) zombies zombies (laughs) Daegwen
0: that's about all I have on my list Isaac except the one thing I wanted to do we pretty much hit on most of the mobile suits, but we didn't hit on the Gelgoog, but I think we both like the Gelgoog, so the Gelgoog's <laughs> just good, right? Yeah. You like the Dom more, I like the Gelgoog more, but they're both great additions to the to the yeah. mobile suit pantheon here. I just wanted us to go through and rank the mobile armors that we saw, though. Wow. Because there were a lot of them. By my count, in the back half, let's ignore the Adzom, but there's the Grabro, which was the one underwater. There was the Zeong or the Jiong. There was the Zarello, the big Zom, the big row, the Brow bro, and the Elmith. so I think we can agree that the Zacrello is the worst, really the one with the I mean the, like corny face with the big scythe arms, come on, yeah, it was pretty
1: bad. I'd even say the the aquatic one that one was it didn't fare any any better, I felt, especially after they made a big hype it was I think that was the first mobile
0: armor and it did terrible (laughs) yeah i think that might have been the first one after the ads on
1: okay i'd say those two are neck and neck i don't yeah i don't count the ads on because it was it was almost like a walking
0: base yeah it was very (laughs) slow moving right these other ones are pretty fast i thought the grabber at least looked cool
1: sort of i feel like i don't know do do you like it more with its arms deployed or kind of swung back and like mobility uh
0: swung back i think it looks looks pretty neat it it looks like an f-zero car
1: Oh, that's a great that's a great point. Ooh, we just we just aged
0: ourselves. <laughs> when was the last time they released an F Zero game? It's a good good game.
1: You have to like, oh, isn't Captain Falcon from F Zero? And then like everyone's like, Yeah, but none of our listeners have played F Zero. Um <laughs> oh. Um after that oh well, let's be honest, everyone's fighting for second place, right? That's true. Because <laughs> we know the biggest big up one. there, number one. Yeah. Okay. So what's next? What's number three?
0: I don't like how the brow bro looks. Yeah, it it always looked fragile, didn't it? Yeah, fragile or, or, uh, I don't know, awkward. Yeah,
1: although it was the only one that really gave the Gundam a run for its money.
0: Yeah, Elmeth did okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's true, but I don't like the Elmas look. It's ugly. It looks like, I don't know, a nipped rosebud that's green or something like that. I've always thought it was bizarre. I don't like the two weapons it has on it. Mm. Apparently, Lala doesn't either because she almost never <laughs> uses them. The one time she uses them, it doesn't work. You know, that she like misses.
0: Yeah, that's true. The bits were <laughs> cool, though.
1: No, I, I never liked how they looked.
0: I think the big row looks okay. The big row is kind of like the grab row, very Valvaro-esque, just not as cool.
1: Yeah, I I guess so. It's much more the same shape, right? It yeah. It actually now that I think about it, it shows up in igloo, right? It does, yeah. It does. Yeah, they had a second one. Yeah. <laughs> and completely didn't use it for high speed attacks. No. Well, it, yeah,
0: it was a slightly modified whatever. It, it had a slightly different name, but
1: mass carrier repair
0: and rearming one. A huge butt one. I called it the Nicki Minaj model.
1: <laughs> it's got like a wedding dress train <laughs> thing on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So big number one is big zom. Who's your number two, then?
1: Ooh. Yeah, I'll go go with the aquatic one.
0: I think I could agree with that. And then where are, like, the big hitters, though? Where's the Zeong or the Jiang and the Elmith?
1: That's not a mobile armor. You you consider it a mobile armor. Wow.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think the, the Zeong is considered a mobile armor.
1: I consider it a mobile suit just because it's humanoid in shape, even though it's larger. What about
0: the Psycho Gundam, though? That's a mobile armor, right?
1: So that has mobile armor mode. Oh, but it also has mobile suit mode <laughs> and swipes it. Actually, almost all transforming mobile suits do that. They go into like their little mobile armor mode mm. and then their their regular mode.
0: All right, listeners, what do you consider the Zeong? <laughs> I it a mobile armor or mobile suit? Maybe you're right, Maybe it is a mobile suit.
1: And is it a Zhiyong or is it a Yeah, Geong? do you say Giong anymore?
0: I know people used to do that. I know the dub said it that way. For some reason, I felt like that fell out of favor, but I guess I don't go around in daily life saying Ziong out loud. I have no one to really I usually just read it. Okay, so you're probably right. So the Giong, we'll call that a mobile suit. Uh, so that makes this pretty easy then. It's Big Zom and then basically every, everyone else.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And I put Elmuth near the bottom because I don't like the design. I don't like the colors. I feel like the guns are positioned kind of weird on it. It's essentially a bid carrier. That's it.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Nothing too wrong with that, but I like my mobile armors to always feature, you know, their own weapons, really. that That's really what sets them apart. They always have built-in weapons, unlike most mobile suits. Yeah. And they're just large and fast. Large and in charge.
0: Not like the Gog. The Gog is thick in all the wrong places. <laughs> the Gog is terrible. <laughs>
1: And they have a habit of being, like, shot through the head <laughs> and then out, like, between their legs. Have you noticed that?
0: No. I mean, they all just kind of die. After a while, I was like, well, they got shot, too. so They're very good at taking beams
1: <laughs> to the head.
0: <laughs> okay, so my, my list would be Big Zom, number one. Grab Rao is number two. Big Row three. Elmeth, four. Browbro five. Zocrello six. And I think I'd put the Ad Zom... Even with the Zoccarello, I couldn't decide. Probably above the Zoccarello. The is terrible. I can't believe you like the Zoccarello.
1: It's got some interesting shapes to it.
0: I feel the same about the Zoccarello as I do that one extended mobile suit with the big face that transformed. Is <laughs> <It's> ridiculous.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, that one is pretty bad with the, the chest on the face, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that
0: thing. <laughs> All right, Isaac, that's, that's it for my list. Anything else you'd like to uh, bring up?
1: We covered everything, but... Talking about how we feel about this series, I feel at the same time, I noticed it's aging. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed watching it again. Felt like visiting an old friend or something like that, but it really needs to be redone. It needs to be modernized, lengthened, and just represented, just like they're doing with Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Just, Just give it the Gundam treatment.
0: I think I agree with you. I did notice that in the last 10 episodes, the art got a lot grittier. But then I couldn't decide Mm -hmm. if that was because the animators were just under more pressure or because that was an actual stylistic change they were trying to go for. Like, there was a lot more shading. So I I agree with you. I definitely noticed its age more, like you said, this time. And it's weird because I remember when we first watched it, we thought, wow, this looks pretty old. It's like 20 years later. Now it looks really old.
1: Yeah, not even just the animation, but some of the computer sound effects and stuff like that. It's from a long time ago. So a facelift and a redo would be incredible, I think, for the series, for the fans. And it can be done in the same way Origin was, where it's represented, but everything's the same, but everything's new.
0: And I don't say that because I don't like the show. I say that as someone who loves the show, who wants more people to watch it who haven't watched it. (laughs) Because <laughs> I don't think, if you're a 13-year-old anime fan right now, Isaac, I don't think this is on the top of your list to watch. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be. I'm just saying they have a million things to watch on Netflix and Crunchyroll and whatever else. No. And they all look prettier than this. At
1: this point, this is for diehard fans. But I enjoyed it so much that I'd have to give it the max score still. I'd have to give it 5 out of 5 horrors because it was great. And I can see myself rewatching it. Not anytime soon, but definitely in the future.
0: I agree. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10 because it hit all the right notes for me. Loved all the characters. And it was just hard hitting, Isaac. People were dying. There was intrigue. There was betrayal. There was real resolution. I don't feel like it left too many things up in the air. It was fast paced. I don't know. It was classic. It created a lot of the tropes that we still see today. So everybody needs to watch it.
1: Listeners, tell us below what you liked about it what you'd like to see if they redid 0079, and just in general, things you remember about it, maybe things you didn't like, things you thought they could have improved. This is a a long series. It's the original series, and a lot of stuff happened, but it's the OG series. So tell us what you think about it below. Brian, since the Federation won, why don't you take us out with the Federation Poem of Victory?
0: (laughs) All right, everybody. Don't forget, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed, salute that framed picture of Amuro Ray, the greatest of all time, and recite the Federation Pledge. Into the night, Captain Bright, Londo Bell, Zeon Fell, Liberty and Justice, Amuro Trust Us, you've said your farewell, now we'll give them hell. Good night, everybody. <laughs>